Good morning and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your hostess and your coach, Nicole DeVincentis, aka Figure Chick 911 up on Instagram and YouTube. And this is the Transformation Gold Podcast. It's awesome to have you here. For those of you who are joining us for the very first time, welcome to you. And for all of our loyal listeners, welcome back. As always, we're glad to have you here with us. And today we're covering a phenomenal topic um, that's going to be applicable to both your personal and your professional life. And what it is, is how do you operate under pressure? Are you the type of individual that spazzes out when the pressure gets high? Do you have a meltdown? Do you pitch a hissy fit? Do you lash out in anger? Do you say things just like, off the cuff that, you know, 20 minutes later, the next day, you end up like heinously regretting and then having to go back and eat crow and trying to repair a relationship and it's never quite right after that. Where do you fall when the pressure gets high? And this is okay. Like wherever you are, I want you to know one thing that when you're coaching and training with myself any of my coaching staff, you're attending our events, however you come across us, I want you to know one thing. When it comes to yourself, and this is what we call your personal development, there's no shame in admitting where you are. All right, we call this triaging your position. So if, if you're laughing at this and you're like, oh, okay, well, I don't really want to admit the fact that, you know, I act like a total a-hole when pressure gets high, okay, I'm going to ask you to humbly then answer the next question, which is, how well does that serve you? Well, it's been okay up to this point. Okay, you're here on this podcast. I know this because you have goals, you have hopes, you have dreams, aspirations for growth, and most likely you're looking for the next piece that's going to take you to the next level. So perhaps whatever you've utilized as an operating system for how you have responded to pressure in the past has gotten you through your different phases of life, and now you're here, and you're at a transition point, and you know in your heart of hearts like... I can't do this forever. Like there's a lot of damage control that, that happens when I behave that way or when I think that way, or when I, you know, send back like a text in all capital letters or an email in all capital letters. And then I'm, you know, then I'm just even like pay the fallout from it. And, and it gets to become very, very exhausting. Does that make sense? And Sometimes too, like when you're under those high pressure situations, you're not able to think clearly. And sometimes you just make blatant mistakes. You overlook things and you know that it's time to take your game to the next level. Okay. When you are coaching with us, like that checkpoint of humility is actually, and it seems like a weakness at first, like exposing what's essentially a vulnerability for you, but it's actually a strength. Your ability to essentially surrender your ego and say, you know what, what I'm doing is not capturing the results that I honestly want. And I'm here because I need something. I need some sort of help, some sort of guidance, some sort of how-to on how to correct this because it no longer serves me. 
Okay. That's called being teachable and coachable. And that's the best type of person that I myself as a coach love to work with, but all of my coaches, we love working with those individuals who are teachable and coachable. So if that's you, welcome to this podcast. All right. Our goal here is to shorten that time period between what we call idea inception and execution. And so for today, it's that notion of when the stress is on, I want to do something different and better. I'm just not sure how to do it because I just keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again. And even though I read maybe some self-help books, when the pressure gets back on again, I find myself just doing the same old stupid shit over and over and over and over again. And that becomes just like a pain in the ass onto itself because you're stuck in like you're spinning your wheels when you keep on doing the same thing over. And here's what I'm going to tell you that's going to help to like release you from this frustration. It's just nothing more than a habit. And here's the next best thing that that's going to empower you is to know that it's one thing to learn a new skill. Okay. Like how to navigate stressful times, but Anytime you add pressure to a situation, whether it's a time crunch, there's a lot of things riding on something, you're making executive decisions that affect yourself, maybe your business, your family, or if you're in the service industry, like it's affecting the people whom you serve, that element of pressure, time, whatever, actually, it, until you develop a habit in that new skill that you have just learned, you end up defaulting back to your previous habits, not your highest level of training. So when you coach and train with us, what we do is we train you into new habits rather than just like reading like a little book. So that's the benefit of coaching. It's the repetition. It's not just one time you read something or you hear something on a podcast. It's that repeated exposure and you know, going back and like reviewing, like, well, how did this go down? All right, let's, let's like pick this thing apart. Where did I work strongly? Where, where were the weaknesses? Where did I completely F up again? And, and working through that so that your growth curve, your learning curve doesn't take you like over here and then back over there and then you're going down and then you're up and you're zigzagging like all over the place. Like it's continuously on the up and up. Does that make sense? That's the benefit of coaching. So today we're talking about what's essentially, we call this commanding your emotionality. Like how do you operate when the stakes are high, when you're under tremendous amounts of pressure? And there's a big distinction that we have to make here. There is a big difference between pressure and stress. Okay. Pressure is like the situation at hand. Okay. There's a lot of variables at play. There's perhaps a timeline which you're operating under, or there's consequences for making a wrong decision that could again affect your well-being, that of your family, that of your enterprise, that of the thing that you're working on your team or the people whom you serve. Okay. Stress is something which is actually self-derived. And I should probably open that up that box too. So here's one thing that you should know. When you coach and train with me, there's usually a lot of fill-in information that's going to allow us 
to break your, your current plateau. So I call this taking a side step. We step over here, give you some front-loaded information, and then we pull that back into, I guess, what you would call our case study, our situation at hand, so that it makes a lot more sense. So in order for us to handle how we command our emotionality when pressure is high, we first make the distinction between pressure and stress, okay? Pressure is the situation that has a lot of built-in details into it that operate on a timeline, like you have a narrow window of time to you know, get a result or, or put something into play in order to get the result or the decisions and consequences, you know, for those decisions are going to have significant impact on yourself, your family, your team, your organization, the people whom you serve. Okay. An example of this would be a sports game. All right. There's like two minutes left on the clock. You're down by seven points. Okay. So that's a high pressure situation or, you know, perhaps if you are working in a, I don't know, like uh, I come from medical background, so my, my brain defaults back to like you're making a decision on what to do treatment-wise for an individual who's presenting with somewhat vague symptoms. Like they just tell you that you have chest pain and shortness of breath and, and they don't look real good. Like they're super sick and you're having to, you know, take in a lot of information in a short period of time. And there's times where if you make the wrong choice, there could actually be detriment to the person whom you're caring for, which then obviously impacts their family and, and a whole bunch of other things. So that's pressure. Now, stress is, again, it's self-derived. It's actually how you choose to respond to the pressure. Okay? Now, stress in and of itself, I'm going to help you out with something here, okay? Because I firmly believe that whatever words you use, they create your reality. Okay. And so when you say something like, oh my God, I'm so stressed, like that's a self-derived thing. Stress is actually something that impacts how your body responds to a stimulus or to pressure. What? I know you totally have to think on this podcast, but this is going to help you because I, what I found is that when you're not used to being in high pressure situations or you come from a family lineage where when the pressure gets high, the reaction is to explode, you know, yelling, throwing things, maybe becoming like physically aggressive. It's simply because a lot of it has to do with like tradition and history, but it also has to do with your feeling out of control and not knowing what to do, of course, but it, it comes from a place of fear. What will unequivocally help you is understanding the feelings that come about inside of you. And I don't mean like happy or sad. I mean like if you are operating from a place of fear, do you know like the physical symptoms that you get? Like if you are, you know, walking along and you have a friend or a, a sibling who 
thinks it's hilarious to scare the shit out of you and they jump from around the corner and they just like, oh my God, like, you know how your heart beats super fast? Like you can feel it pounding in your chest and like your breathing like goes faster and you break out into a mild sweat. And then sometimes like your lips get kind of like tingly and then like you feel that way for a couple minutes afterwards, you know, before you start swearing and chasing your younger sibling or whomever is <laughs> You can beat them up. Like those feelings that you have when you are fearful, those are the natural response of your body. That's what we call the stress response. Okay. And so anything that causes your body to be actually more awake in a heightened state of alert, if you will, causes something which we call the stress response. It causes your heart to beat stronger and faster. And that's why you can feel it in your chest. It causes blood to like go from your fingernails, you know, back to your brain, your heart and your lungs to like keep you alive. Because, you know, when you're scared, you don't really need to get blood and oxygen out your fingernails. You need to send it to the places that are going to allow you to make decisions and move out of a stressful environment or dangerous environment. That's, this is part of the stress response. Okay, so you have those actual, like, the physical feelings of it. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you, that when it comes to operating under high-pressure situations, typically what happens is until you have, you know, prepared yourself to be in the situation, you know, if you need knowledge on, on you know, what the heck's going on? What do I need to do? All right, that, that preparation is going to help you or continuous exposure to high pressure situations like that becomes part of your, your training. But until you have done that, like you have to start building up that muscle on how to negotiate high pressure situations and maintain essentially a very calm and confident demeanor so that you're able to make high-level decisions that have the best outcome, okay? Now, sometimes you're afforded time, okay? Like, I can do this, but other times you need to be making these decisions on a very, very rapid basis, and that's, again, when all of a sudden now you start to feel like, oh my God, like, I don't have enough time, and you start freaking out, and then what happens is your brain literally takes over, and it it diminishes your ability to respond to a situation and creatively come up with solutions for what could be a very like like serious situation for yourself does that make sense and that's just how the body operates so when you understand, like, there's actual what we call physiologic responses that your body has to pressure and how it responds when there's stress exerted onto it, whether, you know, this is something that you're, you're overthinking a situation, you know, your perspective, like you're so caught up in, in the to-do and the, the now moment of it that you can't, you know, really see the forest through the trees, it induces that fear inside of you and it generally causes you to lash out rather than, I'm not going to say take it in stride, but I'm going to say take a step back and get more so of like a panoramic view of the situation and be able to command yourself 
to step through it gracefully and also powerfully because you're at, you're operating from a place of peace rather than a place of fear. Okay? Now what does this mean for everyday life? Well, clearly, like if you are operating in high pressure situations, let's say you own your own business, you work in a service industry where you your work involves the wellness of other people. This is first respondership. This is working in, you know, the medical community. Um if you're working in the education industry, like you guys are fielding so many different things outside of just, you know, sheer education, right? I mean, there's like a lot of stuff that happens in the classroom setting. You know, this could be parenthood. This could be if you're the coach of a team. I mean, this could be like, this really applies to anything. Um, That ability that you have to conduct yourself as a leader and as somebody who is always you know, cool and calm as the other side of the pillow is going to be a huge vehicle that's going to take you not just next level, it's going to take you places and it positions you in a way that people then start to respect you. Okay, many times when you are the most loud or dominating, like, speaker or or force in a room like you're you're taking your position because you're you're loud and you're boisterous and you're fighting and and like combating your way to win that oftentimes what actually happens is if you're the person if you're somebody's boss or you're somebody's coach or somehow you know you have subordinates underneath you people will will submit to what you say to do, but not voluntarily per se. How do I say that right? Not with wholehearted, like full spirit. They do so more so out of fear. But when you're looking to go next level and you are looking to expand and have a very vast network, in your core, you still have to fundamentally care for people. And you have to take your listening game to the next level and start exerting what we call active listening skills rather than listening to dominate or control or a conversation or respond. It comes back to your ability to command your emotions when you're dealing with situations of conflict, when you're dealing with situations where there's a lot of unknown and, and now you're conducting due diligence and, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, it comes back to your ability to negotiate stress. And I will 100% tell you that there's always going to be times like when you reach, I call it reaching a critical mass. Okay, maybe you're working on a lot of different things at one time. Maybe you are working and working and working and you have pushed yourself into a point where you're just flat out fatigued. Okay, I know that, you know, if you, I'll give you an example. I coach a lot of individuals who decide to like take on their whole life at once (laughs) and they, you know, either become high level athletes or they take their athletic, you know, performance to the next level and then they put themselves back in school and then they get a second job and they're doing like major like operation overhaul 
and they make great strides. But unfortunately, like what usually ends up happening is that they fatigue out and you know, they're just kind of like left there, like, blah, 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 like, seriously, I, I have nothing left to like give. And they're still trying to maintain, you know, very high functioning relationships, like something always has to give at one point. So what you learn with time and practice, and you also learn in the right relationships, you know, when you're in a true relationship with somebody like you learn ebbs and flows about one another and you also learn how to understand where the other person is at before you start firing at them even do you see what I'm saying like because you you start to know them and when they change their behavior or you notice like they're super stressed or you can hear it in their voice rather than you trying to like push an agenda like you're able to actually take a step back and you're able to then you know open up a conversation or you know let the tensions go down just a little bit because let's face it at the end of the day every one of us are human beings and i i think unless you're somebody like Jesus Christ himself you're not going to be able to operate 100% in the areas of your strength when you are flat out like dragged across the rocks like you are just outwardly fatigued like in every single way so i do want to allow you know, that bit of grace and mercy extended out towards you that you can aim for awesomeness all the time and you should. Don't be surprised when you F up, okay? And it's not always effing up. It's called being human, not a robot, okay? The right people in relationship with you are going to work fluidly with you and are going to, you know, take this in stride and you work together and, and you allow that extension of grace. But what I'm saying is still, holding yourself to a high standard, okay, and practicing these skills time in and time out and then going back and reviewing, not from a place of shame, but just like if you were a sports player and you say, you know what, I I fumbled the ball or, you know, I overthrew the ball or I misstepped or my timing was off or I didn't anticipate, like you go back and you figure out how to make your sports performance better. It's the same thing when it comes to, in this case, what we call commanding your emotionality and you begin to work on it with the same amount of effort and focus and dedication as you would if you were looking to improve your game athletically. Okay, now what does this mean? Oh my gosh, this sounds like it's hard. I'm still not even really sure where to begin. So here's what I'm going to do. So um, we're getting ready to go. I was asked to be part of a panel this week. I'm really excited about doing this for a it's a beauty school which is being founded by one of my dearest friends and I was asked to come in and speak about the manners of beauty. Now what does that mean? Okay, so we're speaking to a bunch of, I think it's mostly women, I'm not sure who all of the attendees will be, but in terms of like customer service, And when you are dealing with individuals, okay, so these are going to be um, estheticians and um, nail artists, so people who are in service, like beauty service-related industries, when you're in that role, you're the person that people come to see when they really want to feel better about themselves, obviously, like aesthetically, but also because you are that care person and 
for me, I come from, again, I, my history is healthcare and all of my girlfriends, I no longer work in that like traditional clinical capacity anymore. I do, you know, different roles within, within the healthcare field. Now it's, it's cool. Like the way that things are moving forward. Um, but I'll tell you that my girlfriends who still work clinically, have children, have families. A lot of them have either gone back to school or are going back to school. Their only time that they have for themselves is when they go to some sort of a beauty salon and they're getting their hair done or they're getting their nails done. And it's something that they so look forward to because it's like an hour or two hours of straight me time that they need to come down not just from their day, but from their life. Because for them, like there's so much output. Like they're so other centric that they're always taking care of other people. They've got their families. Now they're, you know, investing time into school. They're trying to maintain their relationships. And, and so for them, that time is so incredibly important. And I know what it's like, you know, when you're caught up in that whole day to day and you come in and, you know, sometimes people are just, they're not happy when they come in to see you. And so you take on this role of, of being, I don't want to say they're shrink, but you end up absorbing or taking on or hearing, you know, like the point of their day. And I know that oftentimes individuals who are in those roles, you've been given the gift of, you know, you have this great appreciation for the art that you do and the beauty that you create. And, you know, we always have high expectations of our beauty professionals, like, you know, transform us (laughs) somehow, even though we look like death rolled over and you have that gift about you, but you also have this tremendous heart. And when a person leaves your space, They usually end up feeling better about themselves, not just because when you look better, you feel better, but because of your spirit, which is behind your product and your services. Okay. And, and that's the gift, which is given to you. Everyone has their gifts. It just, it comes out in different ways. And that's what makes, I think the world such an awesome place. Now, I don't know a lot about other industries. Like I know that when you come from healthcare, like there's so much extroverted or like the there's giving which goes out of these men and women on a daily basis that they appreciate. We appreciate the caring ways that you have. Like we soak it up like a sponge. But I've also seen individuals who are not necessarily as other centric and they come in and they may talk on their phone while you're doing their hair or while you're doing their nails and they don't they don't necessarily treat you with that same level of compassion or you know interpersonal relationship that you know maybe somebody else would okay i i've just seen it happen that they just like you're you've become like a pit stop on their day they just need to get this you know beautification process done because they have another event going to or they're just outwardly you know grumbly and, and blah 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 and it can be very difficult to deal with those individuals, but they're still your paying customers. Okay. And so when we talk about this, like manners of beauty or the importance of commanding your emotionality is that even when you have an individual and you probably know this already, I just want to assure you, like you're not crazy and 
there's always ways to go about this. Um, your how you command your presence, okay. First and foremost, like you're never below anybody. I want to put that like on the table. Like I don't care what role you operate in. I don't care if you you know scrub toilets for a living. I firmly believe like respect for humans is like a universal expectation across the board. Okay, and so when you're providing a service, um, you have earned your spot to be there and you deserve the respect. But not everybody is going to be as kind or respectful as, as you would want them to be towards you or that you extend towards other individuals. Here's what I'm going to tell you is that when you learn this skill of commanding your emotionality and operating under high levels of pressure, and in this case, you know, when we're speaking with these, with these people um, on upcoming on this Wednesday, like what does that mean in the beauty industry is that you never know who your clients or your customers know. Okay, and you never know, is this their, how they are all the time, or is there something that happened 15 minutes before they sat down at your station that's causing them to behave in essentially what's a pretty shitty way? Does that make sense? Um, I was actually, I was in Ulta the other day, just kind of like a side note, and we were, sta- I love that store, and we were standing in line, and there was one girl who was at the checkout counter, and then, you know, they had the different skincare professionals who don't ring out at the counter, so when you're standing there as the consumer, like, there was a, a long line of us, and there was only one girl, one sales associate who was at the checkout counter, and then there was other employees throughout the store, but it didn't seem like anybody else was in that checkout sales capacity, and I I work retail part-time, and for me, like, there's so much stuff to look at, even when you're in the line at Ulta, like, I don't care. Like, I know what it's like when you're the only person, if you have nobody else to call upon. Like, there's really no worse disempowering, you know, situation. Well, I, there were these ladies in front of me in line, and they were making such a, a big stink about this. They were yelling at the girl who was in, who was the only sales associate there checking us out. They were starting to create, like, it wasn't a mob. I mean, it was like Ulta, but they were starting to like increase, like they were talking about like, this is ridiculous. And I just wanted to come in and go out and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like that. I felt so bad for the girl up there because it's just like, you're waiting for that level of energy to come in, into your space. And you're still expected to deliver service with a smile to this individual who, honest to God, was really catty, really, really rude, and unkind, you know, for for something where you had no control, even though they were upset, you know, so it's at those times, like, how do you choose to command yourself? And I know that it's hard, especially if you've had a long day, like we were, it was getting close to close of the store, and you know, you've taken it, you know, in being in customer service in any capacity, it's a no joke situation. And you're, you're constantly managing conflict. You're constantly handling, you know, objections and, and dealing with people's dissatisfaction. Once you learn how to command yourself in all of those situations, and this happens, you know, over time, um, it positions you in a place Not so much where you don't care anymore, but you're able to just filter off all of 
essentially what's the other person's emotions and then how you're emotionally responding to the situation so that you can remain a true professional and you can hear things, you know, you can hear the unspoken word, you know, behind people if, if they're complaining to you and you can go back and you can do something to, you know, establish that rapport with these individuals. Because again, you never know who these people know. And I say that not to impress fear upon you, like, well, you never know who they know. I mean it as an opportunity. Like, you never know who these individuals know. And when they get home, like, they might start thinking to themselves, like, holy shit, you know what, that chick, like, she handled herself, like, super well under a high-pressure situation, or, you know what, I totally, and people do this all the time, like, I totally acted like an asshole when I was in there, and they're talking with their friends, you know what, this person, like, you know, she business owners, like, no other business owners, or, you know, people in high points, like, you never know what their point of connection is, that they sometimes, they end up referring you, or they come back and see you, because of how you handled yourself under a very, very like high pressure situation. And you, you start to distinguish yourself and you actually start to build a personal brand about yourself when you're able to command your emotionality, because now they know it doesn't matter like what the situation or even what your skill set is. Like if you, when you're rock solid and you are able to maintain your poise and your high level of professionalism, like, what a gem you are. Like, you can be counted on. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's how you groom yourself as a leader, is to, is to be remaining cool and calm. Now, I know 100%. Like, it's not always 100% possible. I mentioned this in the beginning. When you are legit, like, totally exhausted. And in fact, this happened to me. Like, and hopefully, like, I want you to know straight from the get, I don't, I do not, I'm laughing at myself, view myself as perfect, like far from it. Like I screw up at least 20 times a day, I'm quite sure. Um, and there's always going to be like new things that you come across and you're like, I didn't, I didn't expect that. What I will tell you is that myself as a person, myself as a coach, like I'm not exempt to any of the things that I'm telling you about. I am allowed to, I believe, you know, coach you on commanding your emotionality because of the past that I've traveled. Like I come from a very, very high critical area of emergency nursing. Okay. So I used to fly around in a helicopter and, you know, go take care of like the people who were like legit, like 30 seconds away from dying, whether they had traumatic injury or they were, you know, in an operating room somewhere and, their surgeons came across some problems and they, and they had to be flown to a, a hospital who could help them. You know, we would go into the operating room and actually fly them out when they had instruments like taped inside of their body. And we would, you know, take them to a different operating room so they could have, you know, things fixed. Like that was the space that I operated in. And I had to be groomed and, and trained on how to command my emotionality. Cause like, there's a lot of stuff like you just, you can't make up in healthcare and stressful things. I mean, you're taking care of people's lives and your decisions impact their well-being, their outcome, and then that of their families. And like, you have to practice that. So like, I come from like that high level of training with it, but I'm telling you, like, I'm never exempt from this. And so 
it was funny, like a couple weeks ago, I was, um, I was house sitting for my mom and, um, my stepdad and I, we live in Chicago and like, it was this, it was an ice storm that we were having, like, you know, Chicago weather, like totally sucks in the winter time. And so we're having this ice storm and we had just had like mountains of snow. So there was snow and then it got warmer and then it was raining, but it was too cold. And so it was freezing rain. And then like the roads froze over and I had just come from the gym. Now leading up to this, I was like making marketing materials and marketing for me has been one of my major stopping blocks. It's something that I'm learning about. Like you know, when it comes to like the art of selling or persuading, my skill set has always been in the art of like persuasive talking has been building a case for action. Like I've been groomed in a public speaking capacity where I've been brought in as a change agent. And so, and, and for populations, which were difficult. All right. It wasn't like people who voluntarily signed up for seminars or coachings or trainings. They're like they were looking for information. I was actually groomed. My training environment was in environments with people who did not want change. And so my skill set when it comes to like, you know, persuasion, it's building a case for action for changing culture or things like that. Like it's super awesome. But as a business owner, when I'm looking to, you know, write copy or, you know, do internet marketing, not always you know, operating from a place of building that case for action, it's its largely a part of it. I still had to learn other dimensions of marketing. Does that make sense? And so I was working tediously and studying stuff. I was, you know, learning from my coaches and then, you know, studying their videos on YouTube. And I was like, you know, deep into this, you know, I was working like long hours throughout the day. I was on the computer, like formatting different things, you know, recording different stuff. And then I went and I worked out and on the way home was in like this ice storm. And like to get to my mom's house from the gym, like you're going down like these, these steep roads, like it's kind of hilly where she lives. And then I was parking in her driveway and I don't know, this is so funny, I don't know why I stayed in the car. I'm going to show you about commanding your emotionality and how I suck at it sometimes. But I'm sitting in the car and for whatever reason, I didn't get out of the car immediately once I parked it. I can't remember why, but I was. And suddenly I felt kind of dizzy. And I, I, you know, I knew that I needed to eat because I only had my immediate like meal after I worked out and I had a very, very intense workout and I was like, why am I dizzy? So I like look up and I see things moving and I thought to myself, and it's dark outside and all you can see is like the ice glistening on the trees and you know, like it's on my window so I can't really totally see and I realize I'm actually moving like wait. And then I look down. I'm like, did I not put the car in park? Like what the hell? Like this is happening like so fast. Like, no, I'm actually, I'm like sliding down her driveway right now. And so not only is her driveway pitched, but her whole entire street is pitched. And so when you come down her driveway, you turn left onto the street, the street pitches down towards like a, a, um, I guess an embankment and on the other side of it is the is the clubhouse to the community that she lives in and that's like where all the the snow plows they were like traveling on that road 
fast, like, you know, how fast, you know, snow plows go. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, where in the hell am I going to turn this vehicle? Like, just, I'm not even driving and I'm sliding. Like, how is it? And just at that moment, the phone rings and I'm hungry. I'm exhausted. I'm thinking like, how in the F I I can't stop this vehicle. I'm sliding down the driveway. I needed to take this phone call. I knew it was important. And I was just like, oh my effing G, like what the, (laughs) like, and it was a horrible conversation. I think it was. I don't even remember everything that was said because for me, I was in like a near state of panic. Like I was already at the end of my fatigue line, but now I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to die or my car, like how, where am I going to park my car overnight? Now I'm going to have to get up in the middle of the night and go check on my car to see, is it sliding down the street? Am I going to have to go park it in this lot? It's going to be frozen. I've got to get up early in the morning. Like, you know how your mind starts overthinking when you're in a situation and you're just like, oh my God. And it was at that time to try to have a very poignant and really important conversation was like, I was beyond, like I did my best. I just, for me, when I'm in high pressure situations, I'm not always the best at verbal communication. I'm the best at leading by example of action. Okay. And so for me, like when I get stressed out um, or high pressure situations rather than, you know, allowing that stress to come outwards for me, I have a very, very well-established habit. It's not so much going internal as it is on silencing the distractors so that I can focus. And that was something that I learned how to do again, while I was working as a clinical nurse, it was not me trying to have you know, flowery conversations with my patients when they were dying. It was giving them very clear instructions, okay? And sometimes I didn't even talk to them. But that level of confidence that you bring when you are in your zone and you are working to solve a problem, like, it was a very, very special time in my life, looking back retrospectively, how much trust the patients and their families actually placed in myself and members of our healthcare team was because we had that level of certainty and that command of emotionality in a very, very high pressure situation. Do you know what I'm saying? And then after everything is said and done and, you know, the pressure, you know, it, it dissipates a little bit, then you come back and you have a laugh and you're, everybody's always like, God, you know, you guys come in like a freaking like swarm of buzzards and just da, 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 like, you, <laughs> and that's, that's how we roll. But what I'm going to tell you is that when you're in those situations, like you're going to learn how to use yourself as the instrument and, and direct that pressure and direct that energy towards an end goal. Does that make sense? So again, if you're coming from healthcare industry, like your end goal is, is assisting the individual who's in front of you to get them to their final destination, like whatever it may be. And so you always want to provide that high level of care where, you know, when you're in a different service industry, you're in the beauty service industry, not only do you want to assist these individuals in achieving that beautiful aesthetic, but I know too, like your heart is vested in, like people feel better and they do better when they look better. So it's like this three tiered system here. And I know how much 
pressure you place on yourselves in those situations. And it can be very frustrating when you have the person in front of you who is acting a fool or is lashing out or is, you know, being snotty or catty or, you know, whatever the hell their problem is that day or for their whole entire life. That what I'm going to do is I'm going to now open up, you know, something that's going to help you in understanding why people do what they do outside of the fact that they're just born to be a-holes or d-bags, okay? Because I know how simple it is to just throw it down that way. And, you know, again, we're working on refining things for you. So it's not just like basement, like, oh, he's an a-hole. You know what? When you understand why people do what they do, it actually helps you to grow so that when you're listening, you're listening, you're actively listening, you're hearing the words behind the spoken words, you're hearing the words behind their actions, you're able to interpret body language, you're able to interpret like the tonality of their spoken words so that it places you in a, in a spot of understanding Not to be like a doormat so they can roll over you, but so that you don't then allow your emotions to get like twirled up and and tangled up in this snarled mess. You're able to command the situation and remain poised as a professional. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's what I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to equate this to sales. Okay, so I I think a lot of times, like if you can have like something concrete, people are like meaning making machines. And once you have clarity of, of that understanding, like what does this mean? Like you're able to walk away, like it frees you. Okay, so a lot of the analogies that I make as a coach, you know, I either make an analogy to food or I make an analogy to sports. But a lot of like my clear distinctions are comparing things like how do you how do we view things in the business world? And it helps to like buffer because there's no there's no feelings in business. Okay, like you're passionate about what it is that you do, but the feelings are not in the finances. The feelings are, it's not, it's just like black and white. You know, you either have sales or you don't, you're, you know, making profits or you're not, right, you're growing or or you're dying. Like it's only one of those things that it's not sitting in the middle, right? Trying doesn't mean anything in business. It's it's only results. Okay. (laughs) All right. So here we are. This is what's going to help you to command your emotionality. It's going to also help you, again, if you're in that service industry and and you're looking to build, you know, your brand or or expand your customer base and and grow a business, this is going to help you. So there's, there's four types of individuals. Okay. When it comes to, let's talk about sales here for a second and who you want to be doing business with. Okay. Now picture kind of like, um, a quadrant, like a, a big plus sign, if you will. And in the top left-hand corner, so we're going to assign groups of people. So we've got cheap people, we've got, <laughs> we've got difficult people, we've got sophisticated people, and then we have affluent people. So straight off the bat, you know, when you're thinking about building a client base, who honestly do you want to actually have in your client base? 
well, it's going to be the last two, right? Sophisticated and affluent people, okay? But unfortunately, when you're in service industry, like you end up dealing with the whole entire enchilada. So you have cheap people, you've got difficult people, you've got the sophisticated and you have the affluent, okay? So when you're first starting out, or if you have like in this case, again, I'm speaking on Wednesday, we're going to be speaking to beauty professionals. And you know, you're talking about you're, you're casting your net wide and, you know, people of all walks, you know, love to look beautiful. So you've got your cheap people and these are the people who don't really give a shit about value. All they care about is how much shit costs. Okay. How much does the manicure cost? How much does the massage cost? How much does, you know, how much does the haircut cost? Not because they are, um, you know, working on creative financing, like it, it, no, what happens with cheap people is they just don't want to ever pay. They think that they should have everything. They think that everything is like negotiable. They think that everything, they you can do things for cheaper. They'll always try to undercut your pricing. They'll try to claim, you know, like friends and family discount. Like they'll ask you if you're up on Groupon. Like they'll ask you if they get free shit with the services. Like honest to God, like they just they're frustrating. They are very, very, very high energy expenditure sort of individuals. These are the individuals who will also try to befriend you. They will consume massive amounts of your time until you qualify them. And, you know, they can, you know, sometimes decide whether or not to pay for your services or whatnot. But, you know, all in all, cheap people, they don't ever refer into your business. Like, that's enough said. Okay, (laughs) so that's that. Then you've got your difficult people. Okay, so difficult people are individuals who like the you, you, you don't even need an introduction. Their energy speaks for them. Like you walk up or they walk up to your counter, they sit down at your station and they like all of a sudden you just feel like the walls, like your energy shield goes up because they're just like putting off a lot of stuff that's not good. And and no matter what you say, you can't ever make them happy. And you're trying to ask, you know, qualifying questions and, you know, they, they're always moving the target and they're trying to become the exceptions to to every single rule and they're making life so effing hard. Okay. Those are difficult individuals. This is not to say that you can't close sales or, you know, have them, you know, pay for the services or whatever, but they, those two end up, they cost you so much energy and time. And if you're not careful, money. Like they will have you chasing your tail, going back, you know, questioning yourself, you know, justifying your prices. And I'm just going to tell you straight out, you can get caught up into that and feed into that. Or you can decide like, this is the line in the sand, you command your emotionality, you know, like you post yourself up and and you're not making concessions for, for their, their problems. Do you know what I'm saying? And they may or may not follow your lead. They may or may not choose to do business with you. And you can choose, you know, whether or not to do business with them. You're allowed to fire clients. Okay. But you're not going to be able to change them. Okay. You are still like, you still spread your joy. You still provide highest level of service. You know, once you have agreed on your price point, if, if that's, you know, in the place where you are, but You're not going to all of a sudden, you know, change them when that's who they are at their heart. Does that make sense? Now, on the other side, 
you have your sophisticated and you have your affluent people. Like sophisticated individuals are very goal-oriented individuals. Like they know what they want. Okay? They're human beings. They're subject to the ebbs and flows of being a human. And sometimes they're not going to be positive and peppy. They may be in a situation where, you know, like me, like, oh my God, I'm in my car. It's dark outside. I'm sliding down the street. I'm about to be hit by like a snowplow. The phone's ringing. Like there's like, oh my God, I'm I'm hungry. I'm hangry. I just worked out. Ah, Okay. So they may be in that situation temporarily, but that's not their that's not their primary operating system. The sophisticated individual knows what they want. They've usually done due diligence or do awesome due diligence when they arrive at your service station. That sounded like a gas station. I didn't mean it to your <laughs> your station, okay, where you provide services. <laughs> or your place of of employment or wherever it is that you're working. And they're able to ask like very clear and articulate conversations because they are there doing their due diligence. But really like they're qualified usually financially or when they're in the due diligence portion of it, like they're starting to formulate like this is a yes buy for me or this is a no buy for me. And you know, now you, now your job is to start listening for buying signals. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, are they taking possession of your services? Like, you know, that would look so beautiful on me, or I could see myself using that, or, you know, who would really benefit from that? Like this person that I work with, like they're starting to take ownership of it. And they're, they're really working on, like, they're asking questions like, you know, what are your financing or, you know, is, do you have membership or you, like they're asking, like they're starting to envision themselves in that spot. The sophisticated client may be also an individual who doesn't make snap decisions. Like they take the information and when they say that they'll be back, like they actually do come back. Like sometimes they legit need time to like move some money around depending on what, you know, the packages that you're offering or the services that you're offering, like, and they do come back. They're very, very loyal. You know, if if you do pass them a quote, you're not able to close them on this on the spot they come back to you like they're like they're that loyal they're very very calm they're very very cool they're very very decisive and they're awesome to do business with you because you to do business with because you always know where you stand with them right and then you've got like your affluent people who you know with them like money doesn't matter like they buy pretty much like because they think that the shit that you offer is awesome Okay. Like, I don't know. I, I love the ombre nails. Like I love like there's this glitter thing, which is happening. I love art deco. I love the decals. I love all this stuff. I love, you know, having my nails shaped like a stiletto. Like I, I, or nobody, you know, makes a square blunt tip on my nails like you can. And I don't care how much it is that you charge. I love the paraffin treatments that you do. Like, like it doesn't matter. And as you build up your business, like you have a great reputation for the services that you provide, like they're willing to pay a higher price point. It's, they don't even give a shit about money. Like 
they just honestly want what it is, you know, that you're providing. And when you start to be able to stratify, okay, these people for who they are, this is part of the qualification process. When you're in business for yourself, when you're providing a service of any kind, it's not so that you can look down your nose and just be like, oh yeah, you know what? He cheap, she cheap, or she's just freaking difficult. Like you'll think it, it will be such like, you will just know it and you'll be able to move to the next step so that you can remain in your power. And again, if this is a sales or, you know, you're building your business situation, you are still continuing to position yourself as a leader so that then, you know, you can take this, this, you know, sales process, if that's what it is, to the next step. Okay. So that at the end you can collect a decision. Does that make sense? But you're not able to do that if you get caught up in the emotions of she's acting like a jerk. Well, is it me? Well, what does she think that she's doing? Who does she think that she is? Does that, right? When you get caught up in that, like you have lost the game. So it's very important for you to remain very focused on what your goals are long term. Okay, and goals when you're in business for yourself or you're building a personal professional brand, okay, or even your reputation. Like, let's say you don't have your own business, you're building up credibility within your own industry, is you have to be acutely aware that you are a walking billboard for your personal and your professional brand. How do you want people to perceive you? Okay, not so that you can phony and fake your way like, you know, I've got all my shit together. Like, honest to God, like, who at your core are you? So that no matter when people see you, like, you're consistent. Yeah, you have those momentary explosions. Like, <laughs> all right, you're sliding down the driveway. Like, you you don't know what the hell is going to happen if you're going to be, like, alive in the next 30 seconds or not. Okay, we get that. But consistently, your consistency in your behavior, in your emotionality, how you speak, how you carry yourself, do you, you know, command grace under pressure, you know, do you have poise, do you have confidence, are you articulate, are you conducting yourself as a professional, okay, is that how people are perceiving you, because that's how they also come to know your business and or the services with which you provide. Okay, that's how you're able to network and grow your network in addition to your clientele and your client base. Does that make sense? And this is not like, this isn't for the weak, all right? Because when you're dealing with people, people are emotional creatures and not everybody is looking for information like you are on how to take their game to the next level. That usually when people are quote unquote stressed out or they come from families or backgrounds where when the shit hits the fan, the reaction again is to be loud or boisterous or snotty or try to shut people down on the conversation by dominating the conversation or even become like physically aggressive. Right. There is a big, big, big disconnect there. And you may not ever be able to grow those individuals. You may not ever be able to, to, you know, help individuals, you know, snap out of that because they typically don't realize that anything is wrong with their behavior. That's all that they know. 
that's the sheer like definition of ignorance. But you, you know, you've turned the page, you, you've pulled back another leaf, you know, on, on your growth potential here. And now you're seeing like, yeah, you know what, there's other ways of doing things. Or maybe you have seen somebody who commanded just tremendous, you know, I call it grace under pressure, but it, it's cool and confidence in high pressure situations. And they came through, they executed and they, and they got a certain result. And you were like, holy shit, you know, how does that person do that? That is, I, I think it's innate in some people, but it's also largely a learned skill that's formed through continuous immersion in high pressure situations because that becomes your training ground. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I've got one other thing that's going to help you with this. And again, I'm going to draw on my roots as a healthcare professional to help you. This was something that helped me when I first moved from working, I call it inside the hospital. I worked as a cardiac nurse and then I came to we don't always consider the emergency room part of the in-hospital. We're kind of like like the bastard stepchildren, like in between the outside and the inside of the hospital because we're just cut from a different cloth. But um, when I first came down there, there was a lot of things that I had never seen before and things that freaked me out. And one of which was actually pregnant women. And when they would come to the hospital because, you know, they were having contractions, I was thinking like, like what do you see on TV, right? Like, oh my gosh, she's getting ready to go. Like the baby's going to come flying out at any second. Like I had never delivered a baby. I had seen babies delivered, you know, in nursing school. But, um, you know, actually I take that back. I never saw a live birth. I, 